Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Adam, who has no alias. <laughs> uh, Adam, thank you for joining me. I feel very Larry King-esque when I talk to people, because I have the light coming down. Yes, yes, and and you're definitely getting the beard like you're ready to get into that older adulthood as Larry King, so I think that uh, I think this is fitting. I, I just need a better setup to where I'm not like staring the person down that I'm podcasting with. Uh, I second that. Yeah, it's, it is a very awkward setup. <laughs> um, but but yeah, um, we are going to be talking about Conjuration, which uh, which we went to in Atlanta, and it's a Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Tolkien, Lord of the Rings and Tolkien, <laughs> yeah, and just any other oddities that are somewhat fantasy related. Yeah, just a, a, a magical fantasy convention. Um, even though it's marketed as all kinds of fantasy, pretty much everyone there treats it as a Harry Potter convention. Yeah, I would definitely say it's probably seventy percent Potter, maybe twenty percent Lord of the Rings, and then you have some Hoovians in there. And then just random mishmash of cross-dressers. Well, you got Supernatural and Buffy, and um, there was a little bit of anime this time. Not a whole lot, but a little bit had uh, kind of started to sneak in. Yeah. Which I think is good, because the con, it's the third year now, and it's definitely getting bigger, and so I think you're starting to see those different people represent it. But it's still, primarily when you think magic... You people think Harry Potter, and I think that's probably not going to change. Yeah, well, especially with the uh, the generation of con goers, you know, they you're probably not finding forty and fifty year olds as much. There were a few. Like, yeah, there were definitely. probably some people in their sixties. I would say. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but the majority of the people who are fifteen to thirty, yeah, like they probably grew up reading Harry Potter a lot more than Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings. Um, or, or watching Fantasia, or just some of the stuff that, yeah. even though we're not that much older than them, mm-hmm. I feel like we're just past that that cusp of Lord of the Rings. Uh, Harry Potter's fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's what's been really astounding to me is that I have read all the books and I've really liked them, but I didn't grow up with them. Um, and part of that's because I was in kind of an odd like private school where they would pass out literature that you know they cast real spells and. And there's an alarm going off. Um, that's, that's what you get for casting yeah, spells. That's right. That's exactly the sound that should have happened at my school if I uttered the name Harry Potter. Um, and so as a result of that, I just had a kind of a lot of misinformation. And not that I believed it, but it just I didn't dive right into it until it was really about a year after the seventh book was out. And, and I read all of them within that time frame. And I mean, it was a really great, really great time, really great journey. But... I don't have, like, this nostalgia, this childhood, like, Harry Potter and I grew up at the same time. So, to me, I just find it a great work of fiction. Um, I, but you can definitely see that people, like, this is this is their life. Like, Harry Potter brought them out of a dark time. Yeah. And so, and you can see that in the devotion when you talk to people. I mean, it is, it's astounding how big of a part of a core this is to them. Yeah, well, and, and even um, even for you not growing up with it, you're probably a lot more connected than I am. I hate to admit this, seeing as how I like to say, I'm a geek. I know all geek things. <laughs> I've honestly never read any of the Harry Potters. Oh, you're missing it. I, I know. It's not that I've not wanted to. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm against it. I just haven't. Yeah. Um, so for me, my exposure to Harry Potter was during the ABC Family 25 Days of uh, Christmas. <laughs> yes, yeah. And at this point, I want to say that this was 20... Uh, when was it? 2008, maybe? 
2008 or 2009. So at this point, probably the first four or five movies had come out, mm-hmm. and ABC Family was playing all of them. Yeah. So rather than just like seeing one movie and be like, oh, well, that's really cool, it was here's movie one, and then here's movie two, mm-hmm. and three, and four. So for me, seeing all of them together mm-hmm. really kind of caught me up with, I really enjoy these movies. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it sounds like we're already shifting into a discussion of Harry Potter, which I'll, I'll indulge <laughs> at for a minute. But um, I think that, to me, the thing about it that's so amazing is that there are there's underlying themes that the movies don't cover. Like, um, And hopefully this won't be too much spoiler, so spoiler to anybody who hasn't read it. But around around the mid-series of the books... It's, yeah. it's what, like 10 years old at this point? Like the you know, last yeah. book was about 10 years old? Yeah, so if you haven't gotten to it by now, I suppose that you're just... It, Shame on you. Yeah. But um yeah, so so there's a lot of things like Hermione, she's trying to liberate the house elves that she feels like are in servitude, and she creates this acronym for them and, and really for a continuing series throughout, she's trying to liberate these things, and there's all these little underlying stuff that the movie just doesn't cover that I feel like has significance and has like modern day tie-ins, and actually you can draw some identities to it. When I stepped into a panel, um it was a panel on getting Harry Potter and teaching principles of harry potter in the classroom so it was like a a public school biology teacher there was a high school teacher and their story was all the same they were like we were told this was wrong we snuck it into our house we read it and then we realized (laughs) all these themes were actually in there and you can actually draw a lot from harry potter that can connect to everyday life and so i think all of these things have just kind of gone to create why there's such a fanatic devotion and why 70 percent of a con that's magic and fantasy is like straight harry potter and then the second tier to everything else yeah well, and um, talking about, and we'll kind of shift back to Conjuration uh, very shortly, but talking about um, Harry Potter and, like you said, it was very, very taboo. Very, like, if you grew up in an even remotely Christian or spiritual household, it was, no, you can't read that because witches and witchcraft and mm-hmm. it's evil and wizards and all this other stuff. Yeah. But... Looking at Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, I mean, Tolkien had a whole lot of wizards, and C.S. Lewis had the White Witch, and so there was a whole lot of magic in both of those, Mm -hmm. but growing up in Christian households, it's still very much, you should read these, because look at all of these Christian allegories that Mm -hmm. are in them. Yeah. And and I just wonder where that split was between... Like old timey, well, that was just part mm-hmm. of you know British literature of including wizards and fairies and stuff like that. Yeah, and current British literature of nope, that's evil. Like mm-hmm. I, I wonder where that split happened. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a good point. Um, I, I mean, I guess you could argue that it was pretty well documented that both Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were Christians by their nature, and so when you think a Christian writing it in as a wizard they're obviously not trying to influence the cause of satan that may be like (laughs) jk rowling who christians who don't even bother to learn about her or why she's doing it they just assume but i think it's also that you don't actually read a lot of spells verbally being said and thrown out there at least not that i i'm not incredibly familiar with um you know chronicles of narnia um and i am pretty familiar with lord of the rings but haven't really gotten to it but I think there's also, there's like three levels. So you don't actually hear them verbally saying spells where you do in Harry Potter. Well, verbally, audibly written. Right. Yeah. Um, but then it's also a child who's growing up who's learning. And I think that that in is another trap because I think that there's a fear of separation of reality and fantasy. You introduce a six-year-old to Harry Potter. 
are they going to become fascinated by the fact that there's this kid who's learning about these spells? Are they going to learn and research into real real witchcraft? Therein, leaving the trail of, you know, they are going to hell from the Harry Potter books. Right. A bit extreme, granted. <laughs> but I think that that is where the connection, at least that was the connection that I understood. I don't think it's really, you know, a realistic thing, but... Uh, you know. Well, and that does make a lot of sense because uh, even just thinking about um, the White Witch in Chronicles of Narnia and Gandalf and mm-hmm. um, Saruman, mm-hmm. wizards and witches in in Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, they were very dangerous. Yeah. So even when they were good, they were still dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, Aslan and Gandalf, mm-hmm. they were they were good. They were definitely the ones who were propelling the let's defeat evil. Mm-hmm. But even the uh, the line about is Aslan safe? Just he's not safe, but he's good. Yeah. So there was a lot of danger with the very powerful people using some of that uh, that witchcraft yeah. and wizardry. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably does tie in with what you were just saying of yeah, an eight year old kid discovering I have magical powers. Mm-hmm. Is some kid going to start reading about the occult? Yeah. And not only that, eight year old and his friends in Lord of the Rings and in Chronicles of Narnia, there's like one, two, maybe three, a very few. Like it's it's not something you aspire to be. Whereas in here, you wake up, you're 11 years old, you receive a letter, you realize you have magical powers, you realize there's this whole community of people, everybody has magical powers. So it's like a mainstream accepted common thing, right. and that is absolutely not the case in Lord of the Rings. If you're a wizard, you're B.A., and that's all that's going to happen, you know, and <laughs> you Lord want him to follow you. <laughs> in Lord of the Rings, I aspire to be Gimli. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> There are more dwarves, granted. Yes, dwarves. And, and they just seem like a lot of fun. Yeah. They yeah. seem like stodgery old party people. Yes. But they can use brute force, which is something that men now can do. Well, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> but men can't really just go up and spout something off and go and make the clouds, you know, like like come and become dark and lightning strikes and all that stuff. Whereas, you know, uh, Harry Potter, you kind of can't. So. Yeah. And that's the norm. Yeah. Uh, so I, even with us talking about this, where we did not intend to. Like, when we were talking before I hit record, it was, all right, we're going to talk really quickly about Mm. Conjuration is awesome, Mm. then we're going to this other thing, but it's almost impossible to start talking about fantasy or Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, any of that stuff without instantly going to, oh, and here's why this part's awesome, Mm -hmm. and here's why this part's awesome, oh, and have you thought about this and this? And bringing it back to Conjuration, I think that is part of why that con is so successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you said, it's the third year, and and we've been all three years... And I absolutely love it. Yeah. Like, I'm already looking forward to going back next year because it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. It and really is. Like, this year was bigger than any other year. Looking yeah. through their schedule of events, mm-hmm. it was almost overwhelming how many panels they had. Yes. And I remember uh, you verbalizing your frustration <laughs> like, I can't do all of these. I don't know what to do. I mean, it, it was. It was just like this paper full of, you have five things going on here, and then, oh, there's something going on in the Quidditch field. And then there, and even as a videographer, like, I was there to capture you in a B-roll and, and make a video promo, and I'm like, I can't even walk to all these places and get a decent amount of footage in a given time. Imagine trying to pick and choose between them. Yeah. And, and that is by no means a criticism, you know, especially like comparing it to Dragon Con, where it's gotten so big that people hate going to it, mm-hmm. even though they keep going to it yeah conjuration is still so much fun and and it is a little overwhelming to look at the schedule and not know what to go to Mm -hmm. but i think you and i are kind of in the same boat where we were trying to capture everything about the con 
Mm-hmm. And I think most people that go there have a very specific, I'm here about this. Like, I'm here for the authors, or I'm here for uh, cosplay, or I'm here... So I think that for most people that go, mm-hmm. there's a pretty clear track of you're not going to miss out on any major thing that you want to go to while also going to some other major thing that you want to go to. Yeah, you almost have to pick what it is that you... What types of things do you want to see? And I think that's where Conjuration works really well because you have so many different things, but they're all of different levels. But you might have one class that relates to another class that comes after that relates to another class. So you can really follow your order and stay within the thing that really is most important to you, which I think in that case works really well and can get a lot of different communities of people who like things together and you have some stuff that intertwines well. Like I love, I love to see the the Hoovians and the you know the people from Hogwarts going and you know just kind of bantering back and forth. And it it's a really cool, fun community. But at the same time, you can stick to your niche if you want to. Yeah. You know. And then in the meantime, music playing pretty much the entire time. Yes. Uh, cosplaying tap dancers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was uh, amazing. <laughs> which I did not think that I would enjoy watching tap dancing. Yeah. But it was really fun to see like six or seven people up there. Just oh, you still learn how to tap dance? That's still a relevant thing. Yeah, and it was they were so young. Like yeah. I was like, man. And the the stories they had wrapped up all these crazy stories. And the day that I watched a lot more of it, it was the Sailor Moon theme. And so they were going about talking about how so and so found love. I don't know anything about Sailor Moon, so you know. <laughs> but but I, I did recognize the outfits, and it was just it was so much fun. And I think that that I think that the thing about this con that was great is. The whimsy of the Harry Potter world seems to have followed this con. The lighthearted, the playful. I mean, they had a Yule Ball on Saturday night, which I did not go to because I'm an old man. But um, <laughs> but it was... 9 just, o'clock in time Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But uh, just the fact that they had all these things, it's just... It was just so great, and it lends to it. I love the. I love that there was a death metal band that was doing covers, I think, or at least throwing Harry Potter references, but... Before sure. them, shortly before them, were dueling harp twins who would play, you know, like something from Skyrim and then play an Iron Maiden cover. Yeah. So it was just this crazy mismatch of everything, but it worked. And then you've got people like Draco and the Malfoys and other people doing Wizard Rock mm-hmm. who are doing original songs inspired by Harry Potter and other fantasy. Um, a whole lot of authors, um, a lot of great vendors. Like I picked up a few more coasters. Um, with with Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes and just the other other fandoms that I really enjoy and and again it's just a all around great con yeah Absolutely really love is. it it's definitely worth going to if you've toyed with it but haven't made it you should really make it make an effort to go out there they send uh, acceptance letters <laughs> yes which is just fantastic oh yes yeah personalized <laughs> I had my name and the, you know list I can go to Hogsmeade I had to sign a permissions form it was just it was so great so well done yeah they, they really uh, Chris and Angela do a really great job of turning the con into like a three day Hogwarts retreat even though there's other things, it's almost like you're stepping through magical portals and to get into these other fandoms. But it, it's, I love it. Yeah, it was it was wonderful, a great best one yet, I think. And um, and I, I'm really expecting great things, better things, even next year. Yeah. So while we were there, uh, you already mentioned that you were doing video. I was taking some uh, some pictures. Didn't get quite as many as I wanted because again, just bah, so much. But uh, I was I was doing some photography as well as going around talking to some guests and vendors and um, and attendees, and I was going around asking basically five questions. First one was what got them interested in fantasy. The next one was if they could live in any fictional universe, what would it be? 
the next one in some of these kind of changed order. Um, but what was their favorite magical creature or mythical creature? Uh, a very related question. If they could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? And which would you rather? Would you rather only ever be able to cast one spell, but be able to cast it perfectly every time? Or be able to cast as many spells as you want, but with wildly varying results? So uh, I think only one person asked me like what the breakdown would be. So I told him, about a third of the time it works out okay, about a third of the time. It's wrong, but not that wrong. Like if you're trying to conjure up coffee, you get hot tea instead. Not right, but, you know, not terrible. Mm-hmm. And then about a third of the time, potentially world-ending. So, <laughs> and and I was surprised at how many people went with chaos. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. The, the majority <laughs> of people went with the, I'm going to go with all of them. Let's see what happens. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I got all those interviews, and um, let's take a break from this and, and go to those. Sounds good. All right, so here my ter- who am I here talking to? Um, Brian from Draco and the Malfoys. And what are you doing at Conjuration? Uh, we played a couple shows here, and I'm um, here working at the, in the vendor room with the Midnight House Elves and Draco and the Malfoys table. And we actually talked last year, um, and I suggested that you make an album called Old Enough to Know Better. Have you made that yet? It is currently in the works. It's actually going to be my Brian Malfoy solo album, where I actually... I don't know. I don't know that we're actually going to use that specific name, but it's inspired by that name. I might call it uh, "Too Late to Grow Up Now." Um, it's on the same idea. It's kind of kind of an evolution of that thought. Um, it's going to be a, an album where I take other things that I love besides Harry Potter and write a couple of songs of each thing. So I've written a couple of Princess Bride songs. I have a Star Wars song about Kylo Ren. And I'm going to do some Lord of the Rings and Buffy. And uh, so, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, obviously, uh, Conjuration, very fantasy-inspired um, convention. What do you love most about the fantasy genre? That's, that's, a, that's a very... <laughs> I don't know if... This is like Samwise Gamgee when Rose, when Rose said to him, well, you've gone off with Frodo this whole time, and now you're going to abandon him when things get dangerous, when they get back to the Shire. And he says, and the narrator says, that was too much for Sam. They required a two weeks answer or none, or a week answer or none. That's what I feel like right now. What do I love about the fantasy genre? Well, I got into it because I've had a lifelong fascination with wizards. And uh, so that, that drew me to, like, Lord of the Rings. That was my... That, and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings were kind of my first love. I'm old for the Harry Potter fandom. Uh, I'm kind of on the older side, so kind of got to start in other fantasy. Um, but what do I? I still haven't answered your question at all. Uh, see, this is this is how I this is how I avoid the question that I can't answer. Um, well, I have other questions. Uh, let's let's try this one. Might be just as difficult to answer. Okay. If you could live in any fictional universe, what would it be, and obviously why? Okay. It it would definitely be Middle Earth. Um, I would just I would just want to like I feel all right. So I feel like Tolkien has created a place where you can really really invest your imagination. Um, at least for me, I can really invest my imagination in that story big time. Uh, I would I would love to see it. I, I would start at the Shire, uh, start hanging out with the Hobbits, and well, actually. 
Aragorn decreed that men can't enter the Shire itself, but I would hope that the rules would be uh, uh, waived for me for the moment. I would leave immediately if the bounders required it. But uh, well, just enter the world as a hobbit. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I, yeah. I would take that. That's good. That's good. I'd be happy to be a hobbit. Um, yeah. But I would want to. I would want to explore uh, everywhere. Everywhere. But you know, make my way to Rivendell. It's a really good one because Tolkien's universe is so well-crafted. So it's not just like, oh, here's this place, and then maybe over in some other distant world there's this other place. Like, it's very plotted out, and it's, it's very easy to follow, like, where they've actually been and to understand what that world looks like. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot also, to explore there. It's also our world. Their stars are our stars. The, the, star, the constellations that they look at in the sky are our constellations. That is the world that, you know... At the beginning of The Hobbit, when he's talking about hobbits and stuff, he talks about how, you know, now now they're not seen around anymore, but they still exist. And he's talking about our world. Yeah. So that's that's how our world got started in, in Tolkien fantasy. Yeah, it's very, very fantastical. Love it. Uh, all right, what about this? What is your favorite mythical creature? And again, of course, why? All right. Outside of uh, like humanoid kind of creatures, I would go with a dragon. Okay. Um, they're just totally badass. So yeah, and it, as I, when I was a kid, I played D and D, and they invest a lot of time in explaining dragons and stuff. And I always thought it was so cool. Like they had a you know a blue dragon breathed lightning bolts and you know all that stuff. I was attracted to that idea. Uh, very similar question, but slightly different. If you could have any mythical creature as a pet. What would it be? You can use the same answer, but it's a little bit different. I don't want a pet dragon. <laughs> um, completely untamable and smarter than us. That so we it'd be the other way around. We would be a dragon's pet. Um, a mogwai. Okay, how come? Uh, they're cute as hell, um, and. Uh, it's kind of cool how they've got a little bit of edge of danger to them if you don't take care of them just right. Well, if you like a little bit of danger, then hopefully you'll like this last question. Which would you rather do? Only be able to cast one spell, but you can cast it perfectly every time, but only the one. You can never do any other spell. Or you can cast as many spells as you want, but it's kind of a crapshoot on whether or not it'll be successful. Maybe you get it right. Maybe a volcano blows up. Maybe you try to conjure up coffee and you get tea instead, so not that far off. Maybe you try to conjure up coffee and instead you blow up the moon. So one perfectly or as many as you want, but wildly varying results. Oh, I'll take the one. I'll take the one. The, the, that's too consequential. <laughs> the moon blows up and we all die. I, so that's the, I think uh, I wouldn't want to be instilled with that kind of responsibility, but I would take the one. Um, now you're going to ask me which one I would take, I suppose. And, uh, A little bit. Off the top of my head, I'd go with flight. Okay, that actually does bring up a follow-up question, because I assume flight because you can get to other places a lot faster. So, which would you rather? Be able to teleport, but not precisely. Not anywhere that it's going to kill you. So, like, you wouldn't teleport into a volcano. But if you wanted to go to Hawaii, it would be about as precise as, like, all right, Hawaii, open it up there-ish. Or fly, but only as fast and uh, as long as you can run. So, like, if you can only run for two miles, then you can only fly two miles at a time. So, again, imprecise teleportation or flying at the pace of running? I'll take flying. I'll take flying. That sounds like fun. It'd just be fun. Yeah. Teleporting. 
neat, can practical, but I'm not going to pick a practical answer. <laughs> Flying would be more fun. And, you know, uh, I'd get myself in shape. And, you know, I can I could run more than two miles personally right now, and I don't try too hard. Right. So I'm sure, uh, sure I'd be able to fly several by the time I was done. Well, and you can fly at the speed that you walk, so you can go a lot further, but just a lot slower. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's the oh, speed can, and stamina yeah. of walking slash running. Okay, yeah, then I'll definitely take that, because I do a lot of backpacking and hiking, so I can walk forever. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Thank you so much for talking. Thanks. Uh, in, any final words about fantasy and or conjuration? Um, Draco and the Malfoys, evilwizardrock.com. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. All right. Who am I here talking to? Hi, I'm Janae A. Holbeck or Janae Holbeck. And uh, what do you think of conjuration so far? I love conjuration. I've been coming since the first year and it's my con family. <laughs> uh, okay. Nice. Um, <laughs> so why are you here this year? I'm here this year because I'm promoting the book that Conjuration motivated me to write. Which is? My book called Somnium. Which is about? (laughs) It's about a young woman. Her name is Ashlyn. She has really realistic visions and dreams. And she can't tell the difference between the world that she shifts to, other world, or the world that she's living in. They're both real to her. And so you have to follow her on her path as she's trying to figure out what's happening. Am I crazy? Am I schizophrenic? Or is this really happening to me? Well, it sounds like you really like fantasy. So um, what, what do you like most about the fantasy genre? I like being able to plot myself into a world that's not like the world that we're living in and watch characters have to struggle and survive with obstacles that we're not going to find in our world. Magic, um, any kind of magical element, fairies, goblins, monsters, things that we're not going to find in our world that is fascinating to me that humanity would have to deal with. Well, and with other worlds, especially, like you said, uh, yours having sort of multiple worlds in it, if you could live in any fantasy genre world, like any any mythical um, place, where would that be? I'm at a Harry Potter convention. I'd want to be in Harry Potter land. <laughs> with Death Eaters and all that chasing you, that's where you want to be? Death Eaters and all. I, I would live for that kind of chaos. Fair enough. Um, what, what is your favorite mythical creature? And this could be a specific creature, like Gollum or Dobby, or it could just be an overall general kind of creature, like dragons, griffins, and so on and so forth. Well, I'm a fan of octopus, octopi, and squid, so I'm going to have to go with the kraken and like Cthulhu. I love, they're such intelligent, incredible creatures, and so the kraken, the, the myth around the kraken, I would love that. Just love to meet one. <laughs> Hopefully you won't have the same answer for this question, but if you could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would you have? A dragon. Why? Because they're large, intelligent, incredibly powerful creatures, and I have, I don't know, flight. I I always dream I'm flying, so I think it would be incredible to have a creature that could fly but is also extremely powerful and could carry me. (laughs) Good answer. Uh, All right, one more question. If you could, um, if you could only cast one spell perfectly, or cast all the spells that you want, but with wildly varying results, like maybe you try to conjure up coffee, but instead you conjure up a dragon, which would you rather do? Only one perfectly, or all of them, but it's a crapshoot. I'd want to be able to do one perfectly. And I'd how come? Want, I'd want Wingardium Leviosa so that I could make myself fly. Okay, follow-up question then. (laughs) If you could transport or fly, but transporting, 
not precise. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to go to Alaska, and I want to go to Anchorage, but uh, maybe I end up in Juneau. Or you can fly, but only as fast as you can run. Which one do you go with? I'm going to go with fly because, well, I, I want to fly. I fly in my dreams. And I can actually run pretty fast. I'm a, I'm a marathon runner, so... I would get to I would get there slower than transportation, but I could get to see the scenery around me while I go. <laughs> Good answers. All right, uh, thank you so much for talking. No problem. Thank you. All right, who am I here talking to? Uh, ben Hur. And uh, why are you here at Conjuration? Because it's one of the best conventions in the Southeast region. I'll agree with that. All right. So, um, what do you like most about the fantasy genre? It allows you to escape your own problems. All right. Um, so, in fantasy genre, of course, there's a lot of other worlds, a lot of mythical places. If you could live in any fictional universe that you wanted to, which one would it be and why? Uh, it would be the realm of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, because actually you can hop through other realms. That's, that's good. You pick the one that can do others. Kind of like, what would you wish for? A million other wishes. I mean, hypothetically, this could actually be one of the realms from Narnia. So, so would it then be a fictional realm, or is this a real realm that we're in? The real question you want to ask is, are you the dream or the dreamer? I'd like to think that I'm a dream because I'm very dreamy. I'll agree to that one. <laughs> All right. Um, now, in Narnia, there's a lot of very mythical, magical creatures. What is your favorite mythical creature? Not necessarily in Narnia. Any mythical creature. And this could be specific, like a specific person, like Aslan or a, no, ge- or a general type. All right. Like- we were actually talking about this last night uh, around 1.30 in the morning. I would actually adopt a baby minotaur, and I could just imagine, you know, don't flare your fire nostrils in the house, young man. <laughs> well, that kind of answers the next question of if you could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? Still minotaur? No, a minotaur would be a member of the family, like a child, because it is half human, half bull from the island of crates uh if i were to go pet i would totally do a dragon and specifically i would go for toothless it's a good dragon all right (laughs) and one last question which would you rather do would you rather only be able to cast one spell but be able to cast it perfectly every time or be able to cast as many spells as you want but it's a crapshoot on whether or not it's going to be successful Maybe you get coffee, maybe you get a fire-breathing dragon. (laughs) Well, if you knew me better, you would know that the answer is number two. (laughs) You going for the chaos? Definitely the chaos. That is a surprisingly uh, popular answer this time. A lot of people want the chaos. I mean, you got to live for the story. Exactly. All right. Uh, Thank you so much. Any final words about fantasy or about conjuration in general? If I was a velociraptor, I'd eat you right now. I will take that as a compliment and run away quickly. All right. Who am I here talking to? My name is Ed Neary. And uh, why are you here at Conjuration? I am the director of vendor relations, the keeper of Diagon Alley. How's how's that going for you? They keeping you straight? (laughs) Pretty good. All my vendors are here. All the cons are here. We're happy. Good. All right. I got a few quick questions for you. First one, what is your favorite mythical creature? And that can be a specific creature, um, or, you know, specific like Fluffy, or, you know, a very specific one, or just a generic type of them, like dragons, or griffins, etc., etc. In a way, I'd have to say it's, it's a bat-winged panther, because that's what's on my Society of Creative Anachronism device. So it's a little different. 
right. Uh, if you could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be and why? Oh, my. Uh, I couldn't even think of one right now. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't know. All right. All right. Which one would you rather? Would you rather be able to cast only one spell, but perfect every single time, or as many spells as you want, but wildly varying results? So, like, maybe you're just trying to conjure up a cup of coffee, but instead you bring forth a dragon. Uh, one spell. Apparition. Teleportation. UPS would have nothing on me. <laughs> All right. Follow-up question, then. <laughs> would you rather be able to teleport, but not precise? Or be able to fly, but only as fast as what you can run? Probably teleport. I can't run fast. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Who am I here talking to? We are Camille and Kennerly Kit. A lot of people call us the Harp Twins. And why do they call you the Harp Twins? Uh, because we're twins and we play harp. That makes sense. <laughs> Thank you. I know it's very clever. Yes. Yes. Uh, so why are you here at Concentration? Uh, well, uh, we're here performing throughout the weekend and meeting fans. So. We have a lot of shows. We play a lot of classic rock and, and metal, but also TV, movie, soundtrack things. Video so game. We have concerts every day. It's been super fun so far. Yes. And this is the second or third year that you've been here? This is the second, second year we've, we've been performed here. here. Mm-hmm. So last year was a blast, and we were excited to be invited yeah, back. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. All right, well, I have just a few quick questions. Uh, what do you like the most about the fantasy genre? Uh, I think that there's such a variety that it's, it's in, it includes everyone. Everyone has some character they relate to. But it's this feeling of having something that's greater than yourself, that's greater than things you might know of in our world and so I think that's what's most fun about it yeah amazing what the imagination can come up with I guess so fun yeah and if you could live in any fictional universe which one would it be and why okay middle Middle earth okay once more in unison (laughs) (laughs) definitely middle earth Uh, we're huge Tolkien fans yeah and I don't think anyone did fantasy better than Tolkien he's the the king of fantasy so many different races uh I don't know, it's just incredible. Yeah. Incredible series. Languages, everything. Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Token, so I uh, approve of that answer. <laughs> yes. All right, what about this one? Um, what is your favorite mythical creature? And this could be like a general type of creature, like dragons or griffins, or it could be a very specific creature, like Aslan or Dobby or Gollum or just in any of the two. Uh, definitely dragons. Followed also elves. That's true. But Lord of the Rings elves, not not, not like, like tiny little or not like Zelda elves. elves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, elves. What if those are the same elves? What if the little Keebler elves are the ones that are actually escorting um, Bilbo and? No, not no not, way. It's not true. That's not the case. They're not the cookie eating elves. They're much more refined. Yes. I disagree. But okay. Uh, all right. What about this? If you could have a mythical creature as a pet, so very similar to what's your favorite, but more so on the pet side, um, what would that be? Um, a dragon. Why? Because, because they're powerful. They're huge and they can carry you around. Uh, and yeah, they breathe fire. They breathe fire so they can protect on bad guys. Yeah. They're very practical. How do you keep it from eating you, though? Uh, you, they, they never eat their masters. No, you raise, it like, from, you raise them from a hatchling. That's dragon one on one. Oh. Okay, one last question. Yeah, Which would you rather? Only be able to cast one spell, but be able to cast it perfectly every time, 
or be able to cast as many spells as you want, but it's a crapshoot on whether or not you're going to get it right. And when it goes wrong, it could go really, really wrong. Are you allowed to pick your spell? I mean, is it something... Yeah, like you get to choose which one it would be, but you could only ever cast that one. So you're either really bad at casting spells, and you can... uh, Not necessarily bad, it's just... What would be the percentage of times you think you get it right for the... All right, so far you're the first people who have actually asked that. Let's go with a third of the time oh, it's right. Only a, third? Oh. a third of the time it's wrong, but not that wrong. So, like, if you're trying to conjure up some coffee, you get tea instead. Uh. And a third of the time it's really wrong. Like, okay. you try to conjure up coffee, and instead a volcano explodes. Okay, wow. I think definitely then if it's that small of a percentage, I would I would go. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so I, I would, would say one, one spell. spell. Yeah. Especially since we both have a spell, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We both have a spell, right? Yeah. So we double our people. power. So we, we got right. two. That is true. You are two people, so, so you would have. We with a spell, but then we have two spell, spells. Yeah. Which would be two spells. We, knew, we double our power then. Yeah, that's right. What if the two of you could only pick one spell? That's what? not fair. We're two people. I, what if? Yeah, no, that is not a what if. That is not a what if. We, we definitely got those spell. two spells. You cannot change the question now. Fine. All right. Any final words about fantasy and or conjuration? Uh. Conjuration is awesome. Hopefully, you get to come back. Hopefully, you guys get to come. It's it's, it's a blast. Yes. And also, come find us online, harptwins.com. Yes. All right. Who am I here talking to? Cheryl Cates. And why are you at Conjuration? I'm with Potter Play Tours, and we have tours to London to see The Cursed Child, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, along with all the different filming locations. So you spend a week in London, stay at a downtown hotel right on the Thames River with views of Big Ben, and we spend a week seeing all the Harry Potter sites in London and have a great time together in groups of about ten. Sounds fantastic. Uh, where can people find some more information about this? Our website, www.potterplaytour.com. All right. So uh, we're at Conjuration, which obviously all kinds of fantasy around us. So what do you like the most about the fantasy genre? Um, I'm a big Harry Potter and Doctor Who fan. So those are my two favorites. Game of Thrones comes in third. So, And the camaraderie, just as a general question, just how fun everybody is and has. Now, mentioning Doctor Who, where do you draw the line between fantasy and sci-fi? Because there's a lot of overlap. There can be a lot of similarities. Where do you draw the line between them? Personally, um, I'm very literal. Sci-fi is outer space and fantasy is Earth. So, um, so Doctor Who kind of, uh, kind of blends them. He's out in space, but then he lands on Earth. So, fair enough, makes sense. All right. Um, so, with Doctor Who, he's going to all kinds of different planets, all kinds of different dimensional hopping. If you could live in any fictional universe, which one would it be, and why? Ooh, that's a really good question. I, I probably would have to pick the Wizarding World. Just because it seems like, yes, there's good and evil, but essentially most of the people you run into are good. And the people that are evil are so evil you know it right up front. And you don't have to worry about the hidden evil. Good answer. Um, All right. So what is your favorite mythical creature? And this can be general, like dragons or griffins or um, minotaurs or whatever. Or it can be a very specific creature, like Aslan or Gollum or Dobby. I gravitate towards a hippogriff, just because um, they're so majestic. And um, 
they're they're just seem like a very sweet creature but draw the line if you are not polite if you are not a good person then the hippogriff will have nothing to do with you <laughs> a lot of your answers have a lot to do with being a good person i like that <laughs> all right uh what about this if you could have a mythical creature as a pet so similar but slightly different so if you could have a mythical creature as a pet which one would it be huh I think I might pick, and this is really totally weird, but my favorite animal is a dog. So I think I would like an animagus that could be like a person and my best friend or a dog and my best friend and go back and forth as a pet. So as a pet, I have to have dogs. I have to have dogs in my life. So an animagus that could be both my friend and my dog would be my favorite pet. Well, I wish that my dog could actually speak to me. So fantastic answer. All right. One last question. Which would you rather do? Would you rather be able to only ever cast one spell, but you can cast it perfectly every time, or you can cast as many spells as you want, but it's kind of a crapshoot on whether or not you're actually going to get it right. Maybe it's perfect, or maybe you end the world because of how horribly it's done. Ooh, I think I'd roll the dice with as many spells and hope for the best, but not get in the rut of only one spell. You have to, life has to have adventure. Life has to have variety. So I would really keep my fingers crossed that I don't end the world, but I would have to go with the variety of spells. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. Any final words on fantasy or conjuration? It's a great event. If you have not been, go. Absolutely. So um, it's fabulous. Okay. Who am I here talking to? Uh, Sarah Bailey. And why are you at conjuration? I am at Conjuration because I come to as many of these conventions as humanly possible. It's nice to take a break from reality and surround yourselves with, you know, fellow geeks. And there are a lot of them here. I, I love this con. So many great nerds here. Love it. Oh, yes. The atmosphere is absolutely outstanding. Everyone gets along. It's, it's just a very welcoming community. So Conjuration is primarily Harry Potter, but all kinds of fantasy. So what do you like the most about the fantasy genre? Fantasy genre. Um, I would say it's a tie. I love the adventures. I love that every time I pick up a fantasy book, I can expect to be taken on some kind of you know trip to some magical place. Um, I also love all of the creatures, whether they're spins on real-life creatures like the Oliphants and Lord of the Rings, or whether they're entirely mythical like hippogriffs and dragons. Um, I just I think they're you know wonderful. I kind of wish they were real. <laughs> Well, and I like that uh, the things that you like most in terms of the other worlds and the creatures are the things that I'm about to ask about, and that's what happens when you are right nearby when I'm talking to other people. <laughs> so if you could live in any fictional universe, which would it be and why? I am going to go with Middle Earth because I have always been obsessed with Lord of the Rings. I wish I had been born with pointed ears. And, um, I mean, you can you walk out your door and there's an adventure no matter where you go um, with all kinds of interesting characters of different species. It's just seems like the possibilities are endless. But a lot of those adventures will end up killing you. Middle Earth is not kind to the people who live there. Well, that's true. But if you have, you know, enough moxie and the right friends, I don't think you'll have to worry too much. Fair enough. All right. So uh, what about the creatures? What is your favorite mythical creature? And again, this could be just a general type of creature or a very specific one. I don't know if you'd consider them creatures since they're half-human and sentient, but I love mermaids, always have. Um, they're beautiful and graceful, and I'm obsessed with the water, so that would be mine. So how do you feel about the uh, like killer mermaid 
type of, uh, of mermaid. So they're not the aerial kind. They're the kinds that are actually more like sea serpents that are going to eat you. I kind of like them as well because they stay true to original mermaid mythology because, you know, in Greek mythology, mermaids are much closer to sirens. They would actually lure people to their deaths, so they weren't the aerial type of mermaid. Um, as usual, Disney kind of likes to water things down and make them more friendly, and that's fine. I love those mermaids as well, but a mermaid is a mermaid. Water things down, mermaids. Ha. 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 All right. Um, if you could have a mythical creature as a pet, which one would it be? That's tough. Um, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go back to Middle Earth and say one of the eagles because I've always wanted to fly and I love birds. So I would love to just ride those things around all day. That's gonna be a huge bill with all that bird feed. How how are you gonna take care of a giant eagle? I mean, they managed to feed themselves in the show, all right. I think I just like turn them loose, tell them to go have fun, find their dinner. Come back when they want to be ridden. And hope that they don't go after you and your friends. Fair enough. Exactly. All right, so one last question. Which would you rather do? Would you rather be able to cast one spell but be able to cast it perfectly every time or cast as many spells as you want, but it's kind of a crapshoot on whether or not you're actually going to get it right, and if you get it wrong, it could go pretty bad? I think I would like um, being able to cast a bunch of different spells and just not being able to predict them because it's exciting. It has the potential to cause adventures. And when I was a child, I used to love Inspector Gadget and all of his stuff is wonky all the time. And he managed to save the day. So I guess it works out in the end. Fair enough. All right. Thank you so much for talking. Uh, Any final words on fantasy or on conjuration? Um, just if anyone has not checked out the geek community in Atlanta, definitely try to. There are conventions pretty regularly. Um, I'm here with Mark from MarksterCon, and he actually throws a geek-themed party about once a month. So um, definitely try to get involved if not already involved. All right. Who am I here talking to? Uh, my name is Daniel French. I'm an artist and leather worker. And what do you think of the conjuration so far? Uh, I really like this con. This is my second year coming to it. Uh, it's been a really good con both years. All right. And just a couple of quick questions. Uh, first one, um, what do you like most about the fantasy genre? Uh, there's a lot that I like about the fantasy genre. Uh, I like the action, the adventure, the magic, uh, the escape into a fantasy world that's more interesting a lot of the times than the real world. Well, I mean, yeah, it's fantasy, so it's much easier to escape into fantasy than it is to, uh, to escape into reality. Uh, speaking of escaping, if you could live in any fictional universe, primarily thinking fantasy, because, again, we're at a fantasy con, um, but if you could live in any fictional universe, what would it be? Hmm, it's uh, probably something like Pathfinders or D&D type setting, just because okay. it'd be really entertaining. <laughs> and I mean, I know the rule systems for those games pretty well, so it's like, huh, I could game the system here. All right. Would you want to use a D20 to try to make actual decisions, <laughs> or would you hope that uh, it's based off of real events? <laughs> uh, do I want to go with luck or uh, the capriciousness of the world? Hmm. You're kind of screwed either way. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, speaking of luck versus uh, talent, I guess, which would you rather do? Be able to only cast one spell, but be able to cast it perfect every single time, or cast as many spells as you like, 
but with wildly varying results. So maybe you try to conjure up a cup of coffee, but instead you conjure up a dragon who eats your friend standing right next to you. You know, it's, it's a toss-up. Hmm. I'd have to go with the, uh, the wild magic. That just, it could be anything when you cast it. Just because that'd be way more entertaining. <laughs> a lot more dangerous, but uh, a lot more fun. Yeah. All right, what is your favorite mythical creature? And that can be a specific creature, such as Gollum, or it could be just a general type, like dragons or uh, griffins, etc., etc. Uh, dragons are quite entertaining. I do a lot of pictures of them. They're, they're fun to draw. Uh, probably somewhere toss-up between dragons and griffins, because griffins are also pretty cool. <laughs> a griffin? A dragon? <laughs> just mash them together, yeah. <laughs> Uh, griffin with like scales and and bat wings on it (laughs) (laughs) fantastic uh all right and a very similar one if you could have a mythical creature as a pet which one would it be hmm i'd say probably one of the giant eagles from lord of the rings you can talk to it and ride around on it pretty cool you would you would spend a fortune in bird feed (laughs) <laughs> They're eagles. They go out and hunt. They just, you know, go pick up a cow somewhere and munch on that for a while. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final words on fantasy and or conjuration? Uh, I mean, just is a really fun con. Uh, I love the fantasy genre. I do lots of artwork within the fantasy genre. It's it's really entertaining to participate in and uh i guess one of the other things i love especially with like medieval fantasy stuff which is the stuff i'm more into it's a very fun mixture of uh you know historical stuff and just the fantasy aspects all mixed together and i really like working kind of in both of those mediums the historical stuff and the more pure fantasy stuff thank you so much all right thank you all right. Who am I here talking to? Uh, I'm Anthony Taylor. I'm the uh, co-chair and founder of Monsterama, the convention for classic and uh, classic monster horror and um, sci-fi lovers in Atlanta. <laughs> and uh, what are you doing here at Conjuration? Uh, I'm I'm selling shirts for scandalously cheap from the convention and uh, trying to um, find new attendees for next year, make new friends, and see old friends. And uh, what do you think of Conjuration so far? Is this the first year that you've been here? No, I was here last year. I didn't. I didn't set up last year because uh, uh, my convention just ended a couple of weeks ago, and I really didn't have much to promote. This year, I had such a good time last year that I was like, yeah, let me. I think I'll go ahead and get a table and take shirts and just say hi to people and stuff. So, I uh, I enjoyed. It. I think it's a good show. And uh, tell me a little bit more about your convention. Like, what is it? What's it about? What's what's the focus of it? Well, our our uh, um, I guess mission statement is uh, celebrating the fantastic in film, literature, and art. So we we kind of have a broad um, uh, a broad mission, but we have a, a a little bit more focus in that we we really enjoy um, films from the '30s up till about the '80s or '90s. Um, mostly either horror or monster or sci-fi related. And um, we have uh, celebrity guests. We've had Rico Browning, who played the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, and we were 
very happy to have him uh, at a pool party that we had with an uh, with a guy in an actual creature from Black Lagoon suit in the pool, so you could get pictures with him. Um, and then uh, this past year was our Golden Voyage with Monster Arm, and we had um, Caroline Monroe, who starred in uh, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, and uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, and Dracula 80, 1972, and Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter, and a bunch of other great films. So uh, we do that, and then we, uh, we have a, uh, a literary track for uh, writers and readers, and we have a maker's track for people who are interested in special effects makeup and prop building and costuming and stuff, and we do a lot of demos, have a lot of exhibits, and uh, just have a great weekend um, watching old, old films as well on 16mm. Well, I'm a huge fan of film, especially horror film, so this, this sounds absolutely fantastic to me. Um, I, I'm especially jealous that you had Rico Browning next to the pool. I got to interview Rico Browning, which was one of, the, one of my highlights, um, but I would have loved to have been there and have the guy in the creature hold me like the cover of the creature. This is, so, you know, I could be sitting there like the damsel in distress. I would have loved it. The white bathing suit, the two-piece, the white, uh, you know, like Julie Adams wore. I would have gladly donned that to have that picture. That would have been fantastic. It would be pretty pretty amazing. And a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I doubt we'll ever, we, we may have Rico back, but I know that Kyle Yacklin, who was the guy who made the uh, um, creature suit and, and appeared in it for us, had Rico sign the suit, and he told me, he's like, that ain't going back in the water ever. Now, you know, as as I totally understand, I wouldn't put it back in the water either. Now it's, you know, it's Rico Browning signed a creature suit that you wore. That's crazy, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, I have a few quick questions for you. Okay. Some of them are going to be about fantasy. Some of them are going to be about horror. Okay. First one is, what do you like most about the fantasy genre? About the fantasy genre, that it's, that it's, uh, um, it's very broad, and it allows you to sort of negate rules in other genres and kind of create your own. So you can, as long as you set up your world so that it's internally logical to itself, then you can play in any playground you want to play in. Well, and a lot of people, when I've been asking them that, have mentioned things very similar in terms of other worlds, other universes, things like that. So if you could live in any fictional universe, which one would it be and why? Wow, that's, that's, uh, hmm, that's a hard question for me to answer. Um, and not one that I've given any thought to, really, frankly. Um, there are a lot, of, a lot of things that I'm drawn to um, from a lot of different worlds, but I don't know that there's any single one that I could just put my finger on and go, that's where I want to spend the rest of my life. Sorry, I hate to, I hate to kind of, you know, not avoid the question, but that's all I can tell you. <laughs> eh, that works. Uh, what about this one? What is your favorite mythical creature? And this could be broad in terms of types of creature, like griffins or dragons, or it could be a very specific creature like Gollum or Aslan or uh, things like that. Uh, another good question. Let's see. Um, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, uh, so I, I, I like Treebeard a lot. That's kind of cool. I, th- I always thought he was a, a wry, sardonic sort of an old uh, tree of a go- of a guy. You know, that that's something that 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 was just so out of left field when I read it when I was like 12 or whatever. I was like, uh, okay, walking tree. Yeah, I get it. Um, so let's go with that. Let's go with Treebeard. I like Treebeard. Fantastic. He's like the ultimate stodgy old dude. He really is. Yeah. He's what I have become since I read him at 12. I'm now Treebeard. I like it. I like it. Uh, what about this one? Very similar, but slightly different focus. If you could have a mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? Ooh. Um, maybe a griffin, because it would be kind of cool to ride a flying lion with a with a with an eagle's head. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that would be like, 
kind of the ultimate sort of a thing, I think. A lot of people have been going with dragons, so it's good to hear something a little bit different. Yeah, now, dragons are, are high maintenance, man. You know, they're, a, a they have all these drama, drama issues. You know what I'm saying? They're all they all need a lot of a lot of uh, 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 of uh, ego building. And griffins, I don't think are that way. Well, they're pert cat, so they're a lot more self sustaining. Exactly. Right. Right. All right. Uh, which would you rather? Would you rather only ever be able to cast one spell, but you can cast it perfectly every single time? Or cast as many spells as you want, but wildly varying results. So it could be maybe you get it right, or maybe it goes horribly wrong, potentially even world-endingly wrong. No, I'd, I'd have to go with the single spell that I do perfectly every time. Do I get to choose what the spell is? Yeah, you get to choose. Okay, all right. So, yeah, that would be my answer then, totally. Yeah. Do you know what spell it would be? Uh, uh, it would be a spell of happiness that I could cast for everyone around. You know what I'm saying? So it's like anybody who's unhappy, I could make happy. I like it. That's a good spell. Yeah. All right. Um, it's my is Party City. So. <laughs> Interesting, because I don't know if I've ever been happy at Party City. Yeah, I don't think I have either, but they, but they sure want us to be happy, you know? Fair enough. All right, so since you said that you like horror, since you do a, a horror and monster fest, a few quick horror questions. What is your favorite horror movie? Um, my favorite horror movie is, um, boy, I have a bunch. Um, I'm a big fan of Bride of Frankenstein. I'm a big fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I'm a big fan of the horror Curse of uh, 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 Frankenstein and the Frankenstein and Dracula cycles for all of them. I would say probably, probably Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Uh, what do you think makes for good horror? Because a lot of the ones that you've been mentioning are more of the classic horror, so better story, less scares. Um, but, but, yeah, what do you think makes good horror? Um, I, think, I think good horror is, is something that is relatable. I will say also, I would add to that list, I, I'm a big fan of The Haunting, the Robert Wise uh, film from 1960, um, 62, rather, um, because... That, that is a great example of a movie that really shows nothing. It's all sound, and there's only one special effect in the entire thing of a door that kind of, like, bulges out. But it's one of the most terrifying movies ever. Um, I also think The Exorcist is, and that's, that's pretty explicit. So I don't think it's a necessarily a matter of whether you show something or don't show something. It's how you present it and um, uh, if, how the story is told. So, you know... Hitchcock had had a very formulaic way of presenting shock on screen and 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 scares. There's the pre-scare, there's the false scare, then there's the big scare, right? You know, um, that's not hard to me. That's filmmaking. That's that's um, technique. So I don't know that you can that you can boil horror or terror rather down into a technique. Um, I think there are people who get it, people who don't get it. And sometimes it's a director, sometimes it's a screenwriter, sometimes it's an editor. And what you get when all three of those people get it is magic. And one final question. If you could see any horror crossover, not necessarily two like horror franchises crossing over like Freddy vs. Jason, Alien vs. Predator, but a horror and anything else. So the example that I've been using is My Little Pony and The Walking Dead. My favorite response to that so far has been... uh, the Wolfman and Caesar Milan with the Dog Whisperer, so the Werewolf Whisperer. 
So horror and something else. What uh, what crossover would you like to see? Uh, I would love to see. I would love to see the ghost hunters in Hill House at, at, from the haunting. So they really actually find something. It really actually scares the hell out of them. There's you know there's no ambivalency of like eleven seasons of never actually finding anything other than what might be might or might not be VHF crossing over onto their equipment. Uh, and actually getting getting some serious terror. Or Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters and Hill House, same thing. That would be awesome. Very good. Uh, any final words on fantasy or conjuration or horror? Um, just, you know, I hope that, uh, that everybody at Conjuration is having as much fun as I am. And I hope that everybody will come and join us for Monsterama next year. Um, we're planning on the weekend of September 29th through October 1st. And our, uh, you can find out more online at www.monsteramacon.com. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. All right. Who am I here talking to? K.R. Morris. And uh, what are you doing here at Contration this year? Currently, I'm running around selling candy. Yeah. It, it works out pretty well. Get a bunch of neckbeards in a the room. They want candy. Yep. I'm <laughs> not going to argue with that. All right. So um, what do you love most about the fantasy genre? Fantasy itself, it, like dragons, lore, magic. Oh my. Basically, being a magician, I love the idea of the impossible things that you look at and you're like, that could never be real, but now it's in front of me. Like, especially movie magic, you could see, like, see the dragons there in front of you. Oh, I, that's my probably my favorite dragons. Dragons, wizards. Oh, wizards. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that kind of answers the next question of uh, what is your favorite mythical creature? And this could be a specific creature like Aslan, or it could be a type of creature like dragons or hippogriffs, etc., etc. Oh, I would have to go with... I love griffins, but... I'm trying to think. I'd, ha- I'd have to go with dragons. Dragons are just... They're, they're bad. They're bad to the bone. This one is a very similar question, but slightly different. If you could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be and why? Those, like, foot-tall little talking cat things. I don't know where I saw them, but that's a thing. Little talking cat creatures. Like, do they walk on their hind legs? Yeah. Like, you'll see some people have, like, puppets of them on their shoulders, like having instruments or wands or stuff. I don't know where I first saw it, but, yeah, I'd like a little talking cat. Sure, that could be absolutely terrifying um, or, or a lot of fun. Uh, all right, one more question. No, sorry. Two more questions, because I forgot one of them. If you could live in any fictional universe, especially as it relates to fantasy, where would that be? The, the realm where Dragonheart, the movie Dragonheart, took place. That was a really good, well-done one. Uh, Highlander? Highlander is really good, so that realm... And then who would so Earth with Immortals? Yeah, Earth with Immortals. Uh, I wouldn't mind living in the Wizarding World, uh, J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. That'd be nice. All right. And one last question: Which would you rather do? Be able to only ever cast one spell, but you can cast it per- perfectly every single time, or you can cast as many spells as you want, but it's kind of a crapshoot on whether or not it's actually going to work out well. And when it goes wrong, there's a chance it could go horribly, horribly wrong. Well, I'm going to have to go with the latter for the fact of two of my favorite wizards suck at their spells. Wrenchwind from Discworld, uh, Terry Pratchett, and Perf from Journey Quest done by Zombie Orpheus. 
Neither of them are good at any magic, but every now and then they get that lucky shot like, ooh, I got one right. There we go. That would be me. All right. Uh, any final words on fantasy and or conjuration? Conjuration's fantastic. You should be here. And fantasy, it gives you a chance to live in another world. And this might not actually make it there because we're talking about fantasy, but not horror. But uh, we've, we've talked a lot about horror before. I know you're a huge horror fan. Which one wins out for you? Like, I know they're both really high on your list, but if you had to choose, you could only ever be in one genre, whether it's movies, books, cons, like all the stuff involved with it. Would you rather go more for the uh, fantasy side or more towards the horror side? And yeah, there is some overlap. Some fantastical Mm -hmm. creatures are horrific. Some horror movies do have some fantastical elements. So there's going to be some of those gray areas, but just in general, which one are you going with? I love horror and all, but I'd have to go with fantasy because, I mean, yeah, horror is really neat. You get to see all this crazy monsters and all scary but you don't know if you're gonna live that next day you don't know who's gonna come up backstab you fantasy boom someone might bring you back to life you you could live forever that's true there's not a lot of uh, coming back to life in horror unless you come back as someone to haunt someone else all right well kr thank you again so much for talking thank you nice always being here you're better at selling all right who am i here talking to i'm jc delatore of brazen winch productions and I'm Dr. Scott Figuier of Brazen Winch Productions. And why are you here at Conjuration? We're here to promote STEM and get people excited about science. We do education-inspired fiction. Uh, everything from our flagship show, Dr. Geek's Laboratory, a full-cast science fiction radio show, to Secrets of the Lost World, our first feature film that will be coming out next year. And, and we're also here because we love Harry Potter. Oh, yes, I, that I, too. <laughs> I'm totally a Slytherin. He's, he's obviously a, a Gryffindor. Yeah, actually, this morning you had told me that I was 50% Ravenclaw, 50% uh, Gryffindor. So I, I don't know what exactly that makes me, but I, I like to study a lot. Yeah, and as soon as I got close to uh, the, the sorting hat, I said, Slytherin! <laughs> I got mixed into Hufflepuff and Slytherin, so I do everything that I can for my friends, but I'm very, very sneaky and uh, devious about it. So, uh, All right, so here at Conjuration, obviously a fantasy convention. What do you love most about the fantasy genre? I love the fact that you have world building, that you can really immerse yourself in a different reality. I mean, you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I think it grabbed the attention and the minds of everybody, and the idea about being sorted into houses. I mean, it it builds upon, of course, the English uh, school system and the idea of the boarding school that doesn't really happen here in the United States, so that's a bit of a a fantasy for us a little bit. But on top of it all, the idea that uh, a fantastical world is just underneath your radar, that it could be living side-by-side with our humdrum boring world. I think that really draws you in. Yeah, it's the same for me. I mean, the idea of magic and dragons and wit- you know, witches and wizards and whatnot, it's it's such an amazing uh, fanciful idea and I love whimsy. I love things that are kind of like uh, just a, a, an amazing kind of thing. So, for me, it's it's just it's the same same stuff. Yep. Uh, and with some of that world building and other worlds, if you could live in any fictional universe, what would it be and why? Uh, oh, if it would be any fictional universe, uh, for me it would be Star Trek. 
I would like to boldly go where no one has gone before. Uh, I, that being an explorer like that would be something that I would love to be able to do. And it, and if, if you were able to do that and say, hey, you know, we don't have to worry about any of the trials and tribulations of everyday life. We don't have to worry about making money. And you can just go about and better yourself. I mean, that would be a, a great world to live in. And for me, um, I would definitely hop on the TARDIS with the doctor. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got time, you've got space, you've got, you've every- got everything. You've got everything you could possibly want. So, yeah, that, that'd be my choice. Uh, another big part of fantasy, aside from just those other worlds, is other creatures. So, if you. Well, now, before that question, uh, what is your favorite mythical creature? And this could be something broad, like dragons or griffins, or it could be something very, very specific, like fluffy. Um, dragons for me I've always been intrigued by the thought of uh, obviously we know dinosaurs existed um, and there's a lot of uh, dragon mythology in China and uh, even in in some of the King Arthur lore Uh, the idea of dragons you know roaming the earth and ruling the earth at some point would I, I would love to think that that would be a true thing yeah, and for me, something very similar, I would say the Loch Ness Monster. I, 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 I want to believe that that, Nessie's there. It, that, that Nessie's there. You know, it was, what's so fantastic is that it's so hard to probe that lock, that there is just enough uh, murkiness that you could go, well, it's possible, you know, isn't it? Uh, you know, they even have taken a submarine and scanned the bottom of that thing and still find odd oddities about that. So you never know. I, I would love to believe the Loch Ness Monster. All right, very good. Uh, and on a very similar note, if you could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? Uh, Cheshire Cat. <laughs> How come? How come? Because my own cat's name is Schrodinger, and I don't know where he is until I can observe him. I don't think he's quantum locked, so uh, it's almost like having a, a Cheshire Cat already. So uh, I think that, that's going to be my next pet. Well, I mean, obviously Daenerys has her pet dragon, so, I mean, I would love to have a pet dragon at my beck and call and say, hey, you, yeah. burn, the, burn that guy. He's the, a jerk. The father of dragons. <laughs> the father of dragons, yes. Yes. And one last question. Which would you rather do? Be able to only ever cast one spell, but be able to cast it perfectly every time, or be able to cast as many spells as you would like, but it's kind of a crapshoot on whether or not they're actually going to work. So maybe it works perfectly. Maybe try to conjure up a cup of coffee, but instead a volcano explodes. So one, but perfect, or all of them. You hope you don't destroy the world? Okay, uh, for me, uh, all of them, but it's a, a bit of a crapshoot, just because that's life, man. <laughs> I, you know, and in fact, uh, on Dr. Geek's laboratory, you'll be uh, really amazed how often Workshop 7 Blue Sector explodes. <laughs> it, just, it happens so often, we have a term uh, for us called uh, smoke to black. Smoke to black, yes. uh, You know, it, it's... Uh, Things happen, and I think that that goes with reality a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if we if we could do magic, it would you never know what could get in the way. Yeah, I'm right with him. I'm right with him because I'm always a positive person, so I think it's going to actually work every time. And if it doesn't, maybe I can come up with something that'll fix it. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, you mess it up, you can always cast another spell to hopefully counteract it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Any final words about fantasy and or conjuration? Oh, we we love Conjuration. It's the third year, and you know it's amazing how it's grown. Very friendly, very interactive uh, attendees. It's always fun to to go to do the panels. That's always a, a blast. Yep. 
And uh, yeah, same for me. Conjuration has been such a, a, a very fun con. Um, we've had a blast here, and um, Atlantis exists. That's my last comment on fantasy. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so so much. Thank you. Okay, who am I here talking to? Hi, I'm Matt. I'm with the Georgia Reptile Society. And what are you doing here at Conjuration? We are here as part of public outreach, mainly. Uh, the Georgia Reptile Society does a lot of education and conservation efforts. So um, we're basically here to teach people about reptiles and help dispel some myths and fears. And you have a wide variety here of turtles and snakes and lizards and bugs. Um, what, what all do you have here? At least how much can you remember that, uh, that you have? All right, I'll try. Uh, we've got ball pythons. We have, let's see. Yep, drawing a blank. Corn snake. Uh, we've got a Kenyan sand boa, we've got a leopard tortoise, a North American wood turtle, an Egyptian Euromastix, and we have a few roaches, a millipede, gosh, um, there's more. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> a whole lot of creepy crawlies, things that most people would be terrified of, but are actually very sweet and adorable. Even the roaches, which I still think are disgusting, even those are cute. <laughs> yeah, we hear that. Everyone's got their limit. <laughs> All right, so uh, a few quick questions. Uh, what first got you into the fantasy genre? I mean, you're here at Conjuration, fantasy convention, so obviously there's got to be some interest in it. So um, so what do you like most about the fantasy genre? Gosh, um, I guess I like the creativity aspect, where um, it's a mixture of reality but also imagination. So it's um, you got the real world, and then you got creativity. And then you got places like Conjuration where it comes together where you can be yourself, but you can also kind of veer off of what's considered, I guess, normal. I don't, I don't know what normal is in the first place. <laughs> well, and a lot of people have been talking about other worlds and fantasy. Um, so if you could live in any fictional universe, what fictional universe would you live in? Oh, no. Um, let me think, let me think, let me think. That's a tough one to answer. If I had to live in one, never thought about it that way. And it doesn't have to be specifically fantasy-related. So, like, some people have chosen, like, uh, Doctor Who and Star Trek. So it can be sci-fi. It can be any sort of fictional universe. Um, but, yeah, just any fictional universe. What what would you like to live in? At this point, i got to say X-Men, then. How come? The realism. Uh, like stated before, it's that combination of reality and imagination. And it's uh, I think there's a little bit of uh, a few grains of truth to the to the series. All right, and uh, hopefully you can answer this one a little bit differently than some others because obviously you are here with creatures. So what is your favorite mythical creature? Mythical. This one might be a little obscure. I'm going to go with uh, Kerma. Which is? A Hindu. It's an avatar of Vishnu. Uh, Kerma is in the Bhagavad Gita, I believe, and uh, basically it's it's a complicated story. (laughs) But um, let's just say that Kerma was a giant turtle that uh, helped the gods find the elixir of immortality. We'll just leave it at that. Fair enough. Uh, This one is very, very similar, but slightly different. If you could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? I'm going to be, yeah, just go off the beaten path here. I'm going to say the Ouroboros, just for fun. Which are? Oh, the uh, serpent eating its own tail. (laughs) Say, uh, that, that sounds like a very uh, short-lived pet. If it's eating its own tail, won't it be dead pretty soon? I'm not sure how it works, but um, it's been around for a few thousand years. I'm sure it'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, one more question. Which would you rather, 
only be able to ever cast one type of spell, not just one type, only ever be able to cast one spell that you can do perfectly every time, but you can't do any other spells, or cast as many spells as you want, but with wildly varying results. So if you're trying to conjure up some coffee, maybe you get coffee, maybe you get tea, maybe you get a cup of boiling lava, maybe a volcano explodes. So it can be all over the place. So one perfect or all of them, but it's a crapshoot. So we're talking rolling a 1 or a 20 kind of style? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, and you can choose the spell. if um, You would choose the spell that you want for the one spell, but you could never cast any other spell. Oh, well, if I get to pick, then yeah, obviously. I'm going first choice. What spell would you choose? Uh, it's hard to say, but I'd probably go teleportation. A lot of people have been saying flying, but, uh, but you wanted teleportation, so I have a follow-up question. Okay. Which would you rather... Be able to teleport. It's very, very similar to the last one. Uh, be able to teleport, but very imprecisely. Or be able to fly, but only for as long and as fast as you can walk slash run. So if you can only run at a mile an hour, then you can only fly at a mile an hour. And if you're teleporting, let's say you want to go to Hawaii, you'll end up probably somewhere in Hawaii, not in a volcano, like not anything that would kill you, but it would be very, very imprecise. I might have to bend the rules here and teleport multiple times until I got to Hawaii. Well, no, like you would end up in Hawaii, but um, think of it think of it kind of like uh, Nightcrawler, to where he can teleport to some place that he can see or some place that he's been. So, like, if you were going to, uh, let's say if you're going to teleport here to Conjuration, you know the hotel probably enough that you could get a little bit closer. But if you were going to go to, um, well, again, let's say Hawaii... Unless you've actually been to Hawaii, like, uh, I don't know, I, uh, someplace. So, so yeah, still going with the uh, teleportation? Yep, gotta stick with teleportation. That or mind control, but I'm gonna go teleportation. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, any final words about fantasy and or conjuration? This has been awesome. This is my first year at Conjuration. Um, it's been great. There are so many people here that are unique. Um, real world is, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to describe the real world, but here at Conjuration, I feel, uh, pretty comfortable i love it <laughs> all right thank you so much for talking thank you all right who am i here talking to uh, this is brian biggs from hogwarts running club margie fink of transfiguring adoption and darren fink from transfiguring adoption and what do you all think of conjuration so far it has been a blast it's really cool to have such a concentrated group of magical like harry potter fans it feels like uh, family almost. Like there's just like a lot of people that are friendly here. They want to get to know you. Uh, you just feel like it's almost like the TV show Cheers. You feel like everyone already knows your name. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. The people are absolutely great, and uh, nerd boys are handsome, handsome, and nerd girls are hot. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so why are all of you here at at Conjuration? Uh, we are here to spread the good news. Wait, that's not right. Uh, share the excitement. How about that? Share the excitement of Hogwarts Running Club. We almost went to a whole different place there, you know. <laughs> Hogwarts Running Cult. Wait, no, that's that's not right. <laughs> uh, all right, so what what do you all like most about the fantasy genre? I don't even know how to answer after that. Um, do you know what's awesome is uh, it's a, an escape from reality. Um, and I feel like we talk with, with, with Transfiguring Adoption, we talk with so many people that have to escape reality just because reality sometimes is so harsh. 
um, that they just need a break from it for a little while. And plus, I think it's a way for everyone to bond together and band together, um, where a lot of people feel alone outside of this community. So, um, yeah, take that answer. <laughs> well, and, and, and so along that same lines, uh, we have found that fans make the best philanthropists. I call it fantropy. Um, it is because the world sucks. Just straight up, it's an ugly, nasty place sometimes. And, but fans believe that a better world is possible because they've read about it in these books. They've seen it in the movies and the TV shows they love so much. And they're like, no, I reject the world that is presented to me. I believe a better world is possible. And so when you, when you see them here and you start talking to them about charity, about fostering kids and an adoption and, and getting more healthy, getting more physically fit, and doing good things for charity, they get very excited because that's already in their soul to want to make the world a better place. Because they wanted, they, we all want to go to school at Hogwarts. We all want to go to Narnia. Pan Am, not so much. But um, we're, we're, we're good without Pan Am. But right now, the world's kind of heading Pan Am-ish. And we'd, we'd, we'd like to steer it a little bit more towards Hogwarts. So, with a lot of this escapism, uh, if you could live in any fictional universe, which one would it be and why? If a little blue box showed up my front lawn, I don't even know if I'd say goodbye to any friends or family. Like, deuces. I'm out. See ya. Me and the doctor. Off to see the universe. I, I'll, even, I'll even hang out with Captain Jack. You know, he's, he, he's, he's good looking enough, I guess. You know. <laughs> I would definitely go. I, I think, you know, we don't have the new world out yet. I think I might almost go hang in Ilvermorny for a little while because we don't we don't know what that exactly looks like. J.K. Rowling's kind of told us a little bit, but I like to think that I would, like, want to run around and like all their steampunk, like, period clothing and stuff like that. I think it'd be fun. I'm, like, so fried right now. I can't think. <laughs> Fair enough. So, 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 so her world... So her world, her world would be the world of Dazed and Confused. <laughs> is that a fictional world? Well, it was called the 1970s. It was all kind of a fiction. It was a lot of escapism, too. Like, people escaped, I think, almost every day. Like, some people didn't even go to school. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, what about this one? If you um, Now, what is your favorite magical creature? And that could be uh, a specific creature. Or it could be just a general type, such as dragons or griffins or et cetera, et cetera. Dragons are very high on on my list. I've always been a real big fan uh, of dragons. Um, They're just, they're they're cool. They're badass. Um, In in many of the various sci-fi, you know, fantasy movies across the board, not just Harry Potter dragons, but you've got the Aragon series and and all of those, uh, the Inheritance Cycle. Those are all wonderful dragon stories. I've always been kind of been a fan of the dragons. I've not got one tattooed on my butt yet, but I've been a fan of the dragons. Is it in the works though? Can, can, can the listeners know about that? Is that tattoo ready? Is it going to come? Art submission ideas can be sent to. Do you see this? Hey, maybe that can be the next contest for transferring adoption and Hogwarts Running Club to do together. We can like the loser has to get a tattoo of a dragon on their butt. The loser or the winner? Yes. Depends on, <laughs> depends on, yes, that's the answer. Yeah. Someone will have it videoed and someone will not have it videoed. How about that? <laughs> that works. Uh, all right, so what's, what's your favorite uh, mythical creature? Um, the phoenix. I like the healing and the renewal. 
of the Phoenix? No, I think I, the dragons are huge on my, my list, too. Um, I'm trying to think of other... Ma- you know, it's funny. Is like, I can't think of any other magical creatures right now. But uh, we actually have... Uh, oh, you know what? We actually have a book that's coming out later uh, this year. And it's uh, there are these creatures called um, just the little folks. And they're like... They're just these little creatures that live inside the walls, and they talk with you, and, and they hang out with you, and they uh, come and see kids and just visit them. Um, I, I like the idea that they're like these creatures watching out for you in the walls, or, or like when you have a bad day or something like that, that maybe no one else cares, but they're these creatures that care, and they're leaving you notes and doing things for you. That actually sounds kind of terrifying. Unknown creatures <laughs> hiding behind the walls watching children. Is, is, now, is that a magical creature or schizophrenia? <laughs> Or is it Krampus? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> For purpose of the ebook sales, it's a great thing. <laughs> sure. All right. So, very similar question, but slightly different. If you could have a mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? Well, okay. Honestly, the pygmy puff is right up there uh, because what they do in terms of taking care of boogers and earwax and your dust bunnies under your bed. Like, I have... If they would also eat pet hair, um, I, I would have an army of pygmy puffs in my house. I've got four dogs and two cats at home. I, I have a menagerie. And it's too many. It's too many. But I'm married to a Buddhist who just brings home strays. That's how she ended up with me. Um, and she's like... She, I was like, oh, I pity the bald one. Come on. Come live with me. And... Um, for those who are listening to this, I'm bald. Anyway, so, because um, other people got that joke much easier. Anyway, uh, but no, a Pygmy Puff would be very cool to own. Uh, that would be very cool. But I would also, I love, your, I love the Phoenix. The Phoenixes are very, very cool. Right. So one of our magical creatures that are coming out in our book is a Dipsy Toad. And the Dipsy Toad's saliva gives you good dreams. I think I want the Dipsy Toad. I'm pretty sure that that's just like one of those poison dart frogs. You can just lick them <laughs> and have very good waking dreams. Dreams, man, is excellent. How, how many toads did you lick today, man? You can purchase paraphernalia for the Dipsy Toad at Hogwarts Smoking Club. All right, so what would you have as a pet? Oh, what would I choose as a pet? Um, you know, um, I, I think I would do the Phoenix or I, the Niffler is coming out. And I don't know much about it, but it, the thing in the previews on Fantastic Beasts, it looks hilarious. So I think I'd choose a Niffler because it looks like it gets into mischief. And I just, I don't know, I like something to get into mischief around the house besides kids. <laughs> Fair enough. One last question. If you could only, like, which would you rather do? Only be able to cast one spell, but you can cast it perfectly every time. Or be able to cast as many spells as you want, but with wildly varying results. So maybe it turns out okay, or maybe you blow up the world. Like, it's, it can be anywhere on that spectrum. So one perfect or many that's kind of a crapshoot. Wow, that's, you, you do get to pick your spell. Oh, okay, 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 because that was the... Cause the what spell am I am I getting here? It's it's it's. I, I, I feel like I'm going up against a genie in D and D here. Like if you don't phrase this wish perfectly, the world will crack in half, and you're going to like. Yes. So yeah. So anyway, no. Actually, I would go with the one spell uh, with the more reliable results, uh, honestly, than the any spell. But I might burn someone's face off. Um, 
Yeah, the severity of the, or it just might not work. Okay, that I could live with that. But if it's the, it might have devastating consequences for someone else or myself. I'll go with the one spell that I do well every time and and pick my spell. Um, and uh, I won't tell you which one it is. Because I have a thought. Okay, it's in Gorgio. It's in Gorgio. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Do you follow that? <laughs> Ironically, hers is engorging. Um, I think I go for secret option C. I think I'm gonna go for the the I cast any spell like disastrous events. As long as my wife can do the one spell that that happens perfectly all the time, because then she can just do like a cancel spell, and she's I mean she's already cleaning up my messes anyway. So, but that would be her only spell is just to cancel the stuff that you screw up. Well, like I said, it's not that much different than real life anyway. So, I might as well just carry over to the wands, like. Okay, so I'm a perfectionist, so I want the one spell, but I also have widely varied interests, so that's a hard. Hard call. I, I think I'll stick with the one, though. Fair enough. Uh, any final words on fantasy or about conjuration? Uh, it's absolutely been a wonderful weekend. We've had an absolute blast. And yes, we cut up, and it's it, and it's silly. Uh, but being neighbors here with Transfiguring Adoption, uh, two great nonprofits that are trying to change the world. Um, just a little bit at a time. Uh, it's been really wonderful. The people here have been great. Atlanta's wonderful. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to coming back next year. Yes, this was our first time at Conjuration, and we have absolutely loved it. We are so excited to come back again. We've enjoyed getting to meet so many great folks who are such dedicated fans um, with some great passion for making the world a better place. Yeah, and I'll just uh, echo everything Brian said. It's been great to be in Atlanta. Uh, it's been great to be with everyone. Um, it's been not only awesome to be with Hogwarts Running Club, uh, but it's been awesome to see everyone come by, and they're not just here to have a good time, but they're ready to change the world and take things on. And uh, if you hear about great things happening in the next year or two, it's going to be because of people that, like people here at Conjuration that are making it happen. All right. Thank you guys so much. All right, so we just heard a pretty wide range of answers to uh, to a lot of those questions, except for dragons. A lot of people like dragons, either oh, as their who favorite. Doesn't, who doesn't like dragons? <laughs> what the um, Bilbo? Well, uh, well, yeah, okay, and and some, some angry dwarves <laughs> who are greedy <laughs> and selfish. But anyway, and not true. all of the people of Lake Town. <laughs> Um, the burn yeah okay alright fair enough pretty much anyone in Lord of the Rings yeah. people who don't actually have to live with dragons didn't like dragons right that's that's the thing yeah a lot of them wanted to be in control of the dragon yeah <laughs> yes not have to deal with the dragon yeah uh, so yeah we, we heard a pretty wide range but uh, I want to figure out or I, I'm curious as to what your answers would be yeah so we already kind of talked a little bit about what do you like about fantasy mm-hmm I mean, we dived right into, yay, fantasy, wizards, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Yeah. But beyond what we've already said, like, why, why do you like uh, the fantasy genre? I, I think that it's, I think that because it's just different. And that's kind of where I go into a lot of things. Like, I, I, I fall on either outright fantasy, like, this is not plausible, or things that are just 
slightly close to fantasy or slightly close to reality, but just slightly off, you know, like twist, that sort of thing. Um, and so I think that it's the fact that it's unexplored, that really the imagination is the limit. When you read like historical fiction, um, while there's nothing wrong with it, you kind of already know they're within the limits of the world. There, you can't, you know, like like Tesla's not going to all of a sudden be able to levitate like Magneto and, and do anything. Well, maybe he can, which would be a great fiction book. But um, you've but, obviously not read that much yeah, about well, Tesla. <laughs> apparently, I haven't. And his and you know his duplicating teleportation or whatever. But anyway, so Tesla aside, though, um, I think that that's what it is. It's just that there's always something new in fantasy and, and there's and it almost seems like every author has their own idea of what that can be and yeah you have similar things if you read enough of it but there's no limits yeah and that to me is what fantasy is it's unexplored all the time yeah yeah i would say fairly close to that as well like i love sci-fi i grew up on the old classic sci-fi um i, I love horror movies i love all these other genres but sci-fi is part of what I grew up on. So uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, Babylon 5, like all of these things are the things that I grew up on. Never going to not love sci-fi. Excuse me. But when it comes to sci-fi, if it's not done right, it's very easy to start saying, wait a second, that can't really happen. Yeah. Like, even the uh, the great divide between Star Trek and Star Wars, mm-hmm. a lot of them are like, well, Star Wars could never happen because of all of this. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, Star Trek could really happen. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that sort of argument of, is it real enough mm-hmm. to be science yeah. fiction versus uh, science fiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's weighted? The right. science or the fiction? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but with fantasy, you don't need an explanation for things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you want to be able to shoot lightning out of your wand? Okay, sure. Yeah. You don't have to explain where the power for it comes from, because it's fantasy. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost think the more people try to explain the science part of science fiction, it just makes it more skeptical. You know what I mean? Whereas there's just a certain suspension of disbelief. You go in there, you know this is an author-created world, and his, his rules are his rules. And maybe once he's established those rules, and if he chooses to break them, then you get some outroar. But really, from the, from the get-go, it just if there's gravity on one side of the world, and then it's opposite on the other, like you know the movie, what was it, Upside Down or one of those? Then, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just what it is. And, yeah. and nobody pitches a fit about that. Well, and I think one of the clearest examples of that is when George Lucas added Metachlorians. When he tried to scientifically <laughs> explain magic yeah it's like no no that doesn't work yeah and i think metachlorians are mentioned three times total mm-hmm. in episode one yeah and that is it the like all of the star wars movies you never hear them again mm-hmm. because it's oh right that doesn't work in this universe yeah so even though star wars is absolutely sci-fi I would actually kind of put it more towards fantasy. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, the Force can be tried to explain, but it, there's nothing scientific about it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still like a, a mystic thing that that flows within us and through us and is all around us, <laughs> as Obi-Wan would say. So, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess you can pull out science with a lightsaber, but isn't there people say that the Force is what controls that too? So, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know... Everything about it, it's just, we have planes now. No, they don't have X-wings and fly vertical. Some of them do, I guess. But, you know. <laughs> no, we do have some of those, uh, like, helicopter planes. Yeah. But, but, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, there really isn't anything astounding other than a massive thing that destroys planets with a laser beam. Everything else is really pretty much, we're on path to get there. Yeah. But that force, we'll probably never get there. Yeah. And, you know, it, again, the things that I grew up with were Lord of the Rings. Like, that was the fantasy genre that I grew up with. 
Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien. So it, it's very hard for me to separate my love for fantasy. Um, sometimes I'm probably a little bit too strong of a critic because I grew up reading Tolkien and Lewis. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> when hard I read to find other people, yeah, yeah. ah, yeah the, yeah, the writing is just, it's so good. I mean, Tolkien created an entire language well, for all of them. Yeah. Like, he created his own language. Yeah. And not just, I'm going to make up some random words. Mm-hmm. There, There's a whole lot of linguistics, and it's just it, it's just hard to top Genealogies that. and maps, and he had those while he was writing, so they, they stay true and accurate. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal the way this guy's mind must have worked. And probably a little torturous, I would imagine. Yeah. So, but yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I think that, so that's my thing. Something that, that can be close to reality, but you know there's something off about it, and something that will never quite match up. That adventure, that unknown, that's what makes fantasy really great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when talking about the uh, fictional universe, uh, well, in talking about why people like fantasy, a lot of people said that it was these other worlds and these other places and escaping reality, which naturally led into, so what fictional universe? So, uh, Adam, what fictional universe would you want to most live in? Oh, gosh. That would be hard. I I think that that on first thought, I would love to say um, Middle Earth, you know, but... Assuming I wouldn't be stuck as a dwarf or a hobbit. So I think that that would be a big thing. Like, if I wanted to do that, I would much rather be, you know, an elf where I can choose to sail away on my boat if I want to. Or I can stay and kind of meddle in things and see for five miles and shoot accurately with a bow. You know, all these things would be great. But if I'm a dwarf, I just have stubby legs and swing heavy things. You know, I mean, that's not really... And I have I to have somebody throw me across a chasm. I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you wouldn't. But, uh, or like a hobbit where, my, where, you know, like I have to walk around with hairy feet. And who knows how bad they must smell because they i mean do they even bathe you know what i mean so like there's just this whole so i guess if i had to settle on a safer reality where i kind of knew what i was getting in i would probably choose um you know the world of harry potter the wizarding world uh but if i could be an elf with excellent now, bow skills now Earth. what um what if you couldn't change anything about you so like living in the wizarding world of harry potter fantastic mm-hmm. if you're a wizard mm-hmm. but what if you're a muggle so like in in this other world, it's not, and this wasn't exactly part of the question, mm-hmm. but I think it can uh, sure, absolutely have sure. an impact. The world that you're going into, mm-hmm. you stay what you are. So if you go into Middle Earth, you remain a man. Mm-hmm. You know where the uh, like where you're from in terms of um, are you Dunedain, are you mm-hmm. Gondorian, are yeah. you that eh, whatever? Yeah. They're all the race of men. Sure. Uh, in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you would be a muggle. Yeah. In Star Wars, you would not be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're just going in as yeah. Adam the normal. I'd probably have to work at, like, Uncle Vernon's drilling company. Like, that would be terrible. So, that aspect, I would at least like to go to Bree and, you know, have some fun at the Prancing Pony. And at least I could have a nice life there. And I would find people who were common. Being a muggle in a wizard world, just it just reeks. I mean, that's just terrible to know that this stuff is out there. Well, I guess you wouldn't know if you're a muggle. But the fact that this is out there and you can't partake of it, like, you know, you might at least be able to see an elf periodically. Maybe chat with them. Yeah. Mago Vanin, you know? <laughs> yeah, my uh, my gut instinct is Middle-earth as well, because I, I love Ireland. I love sort of that old Celtic mythology. And so there's so much about Middle-earth that, that's tied into that, because, well, again, Tolkien. Uh, so that's my gut response. The one that I think, as a human, without having to change anything magical about me, that I'd probably have the most adventure is Doctor Who, because mm. I could just be one of his companions. Yeah. 
But in terms of, like, where would I like to live, mm-hmm. I would actually probably say the world of the Muppets. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't want to be a Muppet, uh-huh. but, like, what mu- what Muppet movie doesn't end with a happy ending? Mm-hmm. What Muppet movie doesn't have songs and joy and laughter? Like, they're just all so happy. Now, what about the Muppet TV show that, like, got canceled and, like, you know, Kermit and Miss Piggy were divorced and people were in, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and... I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> that. That was an offshoot that doesn't exist, right? The alternate reality. That's that's more like the Muppets' troubled older brother. Okay, you so, know. So the Muppet you just sent off to the Carolinas and say, you know, write once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why the Carolinas. If anybody's listening from the Carolinas, that's nothing against you. <laughs> it's a close enough state, but also far enough away that's like, eh, it's over a mountain. We don't have to deal with them. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, even in Labyrinth. You know, anything that Jim Henson created. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I don't count it, because Jim Henson didn't create the modern uh, Muppet show. Fair enough, fair enough. So even in Labyrinth, you have David Bowie dancing around singing, and, like, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I, I don't even understand why Jennifer Connelly was trying to get her baby brother back. Come on, he was going to grow up around David Bowie the Goblin King. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. So he would have had an interesting life. Exactly. Twirling crystals around and wearing tights. Exactly. Yes. That, that sounds like a fantastic life. I don't know why anyone would want anything different. Yes. Jareth, teach me this crystal throw that you do so well. Exactly. So, yes, I, uh, in terms of just all-around happiness, i got to go with the Muppets. Jim Henson Muppets. Jim Henson Muppets, gotcha. Right. Okay. So what about favorite mythical creature? And this could be... Uh, again, a broad type of creature like dragons or griffins, or it could be a very specific creature like mm-hmm. Gollum or Aslan, which I know they are more people than animal, but still those are the first names that come to mind when I think about random things. Or, or Fluffy yeah, from uh, Harry Potter. Oh, What about, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember what it's called, but that thing from The NeverEnding Story, the pink dragon? Oh yeah, uh, Falcor. Yeah, Falcor. Oh, I forget what kind of creature he was but yeah falcor yeah, if i could be like atreyu and have have a falcor bond like that would be pretty sweet yeah falcor falcor was awesome yeah he really was <laughs> like chasing the bullies around down the alley you know <laughs> who wouldn't be scared of that thing just, just yelling at them yeah. just, i'm an old dog yeah. no 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 care as far as how many people might be seeing him floating around chasing teenagers down an alley you know it's just it's falcor that's that's all you need to know yes ah uh, i i can't even think about how to follow that i don't all right my favorite mythical creature I'm going to go with a chimera, because ah. uh, you get all the fun of a dragon, mm-hmm. but also some of the uh, some of the griffin thrown in. A three-headed dragon, so three times the danger. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Would you have to, like, live near this thing? Oh, God, you... no. Okay. This, this isn't something that I want to deal with. <laughs> so you just want it in existence somewhere. <laughs> like, you just see it on a mountain, like, roasting with one of its heads, and, you know, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, this, this is the, if I was going to get a tattoo of, like, look how awesome I am in, like, the fantasy world, <laughs> it would be a chimera. Okay, that sounds good. Not something I want to actually deal with. Yeah, yeah. I can see how your personality and mine are very different on these <laughs> this way of thinking. Yes. You just want a little bit of disorder in our world. You want a giant flying Bashan. <laughs> I do. 
And I want a three-headed dragon creature. That you know is somehow going to hurt something and cause some sort of disaster. Oh, yeah, because I've, I've never heard of any good Chimera. They are always either a force of evil or guarding something that is supposed yeah. to be kept hidden. There's never just, like, the happy-go-lucky mm-hmm. Larry Curly and Mo Chimera. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I can imagine the hunting parties that would like go up there. You know, like a Gaston type guy who's just like, let's see what he's hiding. <laughs> Chase him with a pitchfork and a shotgun or musket. So, yes, yeah. that won't do much good. Probably not. Uh, all right, so the other end of the spectrum is what mythical creature would you want to have as a pet? So not just what is awesome and what do you love, mm-hmm. but what would you actually want to care for? What would you want flying around your house? Like, what What are you wanting to clean up after and feed? Okay, so bear bear with me on this. I uh, I like pets, but in a smaller form. Right. So, you know, because we don't really have a fence, and then, you know, you think about a larger pet, you have to take it out. So if I'm talking about pets, I'm thinking, like, small and, you know, I think, like, a teacup dragon. <laughs> you know, like, this little cute little thing, and if it if it does breathe a little bit of fire, it might singe your finger hair, you know, but it's not really going to, like, burn your flesh off. And it might bite, but, you know, I'm thinking, like, micro, like, like you know, fits in a teacup. Right. Yeah, so, so, like, when it bites, it's like a tiny little puppy gnawing yeah. on your finger. Yeah. Where it's it, just adorable. It might be, like, a flesh wound slight, you know, but, uh, but I mean, I'm not in any eternal danger, but, I mean... The idea of having a little dragon circle around. You know, I haven't thought of a name for this yet, but I'm sure it'll come to me. Buttercup. Butter- Buttercup. <laughs> yes. Come roast my marshmallows. Yes. I want a s'more. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> he knows the drill. And then I just have to figure out what they eat, and I can reward him with, I don't know, some sort of maggot or something. Whatever a teacup dragon eats. <laughs> So I'm curious to see how you would follow up your pet. Oh, God, I honestly haven't really thought much about it, but just now the first thing that came to mind was a Sarlacc. <laughs> okay, like the pit thing from yes. Star Wars? Yes, like the pit thing from Star Wars. How could you possibly want that as a pet? I wouldn't have to do anything to care for it. <laughs> it would take care of itself. And a couple of other people. It's, <laughs> it's like a cat that I don't have to worry about pooping on the counter. I don't... Okay. It just takes care of itself. Every once in a while, maybe I throw a goat in there. Uh-huh. Yes, just in case. Oh, oh the, the, the disasters that would wait for somebody. Could you pick its location? Because that could be a great, like, anti-theft deterrent. Yeah. Have the yeah. Sarlacc under the, under the you know, tarp. <laughs> just put it in front of your doorway. That is such a horrible answer. Yes. That obviously is not what I would want as a pet. Because I, I like the small, fluffy animals. Um, you know, I, I had a Jack Russell Terrier for mm-hmm. 16 years. So I would want something that would be sweet and cuddly, but also a little fierce. It's like a Sarlacc. I'm going to go... Uh, God, I, I don't know. I mean, there are the uh, the Mogwai. Oh, there are the Tribbles. Um... There are other things that are small and furry mm. and potentially dangerous. Yeah. Um, mm, I know what I'm going to go with, but mm. this is only if it was actually like well trained and uh-huh. wouldn't end up attacking me. Okay. That's, that is a very big caveat. Yeah, yeah. The bunny from Money Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> okay. I don't know how to answer that, but yes, why not? So it's small and fluffy and adorable and just a cute little bunny. But yeah, if people tried to come in and steal my things, it will rip their throats out. That sounds like the perfect blend of cuddly (laughs) and anti-theft of anything I've ever heard. 
But again, right. I, it has to be trainable. So if yeah. there's only wild bunnies, then then none of that. All right. Well, you win that one. Right. Yes. So uh, fantasy, other worlds, pets, pets. Oh, right. The magic. Uh, so which would you rather? Only one spell, perfect, or all the spells with wildly varying results? You, you need to... Okay, when you say wildly varying results, what kind of percentage are we talking? <laughs> like, you do it excellent, you know, a, a few percentage points? Or, like, what's the scale here? I'm, I'm thinking, like, a third of the time, you get it right. Uh-huh. Maybe not, like, perfect. Maybe okay. perfect is eh, 5-10% of the time. Okay. But, you know, a third of the time, it's right. Okay. Maybe not perfect, but right. Uh-huh. A third of the time, it's not right, mm-hmm. but it's not that bad. Okay. So, like, the example that I keep using, you try to conjure up a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you get a cup of hot tea instead. Okay. So, it's, it's wrong, but... So, you can but accept it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then, a third of the time, you try to conjure up coffee, and instead, a volcano explodes. <laughs> wow. That's... A... So, yeah, instead of getting a nice warm beverage, you have an environmental disaster. Right. Yes. Because you wanted a hot beverage, yeah. and you got a hot liquid, just um, a little too much of it. Is it... Okay, so obviously that's not what you intended, but is it still in the general place that you wanted it to go? Or, like, are you causing a volcano to spout up somewhere in the world? Like, is it going to destroy your house? I mean, it's... I jokingly said potentially world-ending a few times, but that would be, like, the 5% of the... Basically, think of a, a bell curve. <laughs> wait, wait, 5%? So you're saying, like, 1 in 20 times you're going to potentially destroy the world with your bad spell? Yes. <laughs> Okay. I think my mind's made up now. That's, that's the case. <laughs> it's like a standard bell curve. Yeah. You know, it, to get it perfect, that's rare. Yeah, sure. To blow up the world, that's rare. I hope so. Yeah. Okay. I, I hope um, so, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty extreme. Okay. Um, so, knowing me and liking a little bit of order to my life, I think the fact that I have no magical powers now that you know of, um, <laughs> I think that... It would anything would be a step up, and I would rather know that when I do something, it's going to actually work. Now, as far as what that would be, I don't really know. I would like to say that it could be some sort of like I don't know, like making dinner, which sounds like a really <laughs> lame thing, or like cleaning dishes, like a cleanup spell, because I just hate doing that altogether. Right. You know. Well, and uh, you can't change your spell, so it's not yeah. like you can only do one perfectly at a time. Yeah. Whatever one you choose, that's it. Mm-hmm. No other kind of magic. Yeah. And with the uh, wildly varying results, you can't get better at it. Yeah. So it's not like, with enough practice, I'm going to improve my chances. No, the chances are set. Yeah. It, so it's it's a roll of a dice. You're just always going to be at this level. Right. The apprentice level. Yeah. I, I still, I do think, I do think it would be one. And now we can't do, like, teleportation, right? Because obviously, like, that's not really a spell. That's more of an ability. I, I, that could be the spell. Because if I could do teleportation well... Every single time, yeah, that's the thing. You know, that's it. I have a follow-up question for you that I'll get to in a second. Uh, I would definitely go with the wildly varying results. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't do that many spells, and if I can do all the spells, spreading all of them out, then, you know, like you said, so 120 spells, I'm going to end the world. Mm -hmm. No, that's only if I cast the same spell 20 times in a row. Mm. If I cast 1,000 spells... Mm -hmm then that's a 1 in 20,000 chance of blowing up the world. Which is still a little high for my taste. But. Well, <laughs> I don't know how much I would actually end up casting them. Mm-hmm. And if I had gotten them right a few times, there would probably be a few. 
Ah, what the hell? I'm bored. <laughs> what? So <laughs> this guy made me angry. Let's see if I can destroy everyone. Exactly. <laughs> we we have guests. Yes. So, Hello. in a very uh, related question, since you mentioned teleportation, which would you rather do? Would you rather be able to teleport imprecisely? So, like, you want to go to Hawaii, but maybe you end up on the right island, maybe you end up on one of the other ones, mm-hmm. or you can fly, but only um, only as fast and as long as what you can run. Is there, like, a geographical area of how bad my teleportation would miss? And can I, like, appear halfway in a wall and, like, be decapitated or something? I mean, no, no. Like, you wouldn't end up someplace where you're going to die. Okay. Like you Unless I got in Death a Valley in the middle of there. Right. With no water. Right. Yes. It it would be like if I wanted to teleport to um, uh, Mount Rushmore. Mm. I've not been there, but I've seen enough pictures that I could be like, all right, I could be somewhere close enough to where I could see it. Mm-hmm. So kind of like uh, like Nightcrawler, okay. where you have to have either been there or know it well enough to... Okay. So it's it's imprecise, but it's not like you want to go to Hawaii and you end up on Mars. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. not that bad. Yeah. Uh, gosh. I mean, both of those are pretty terrible options in all reality. Uh, can't, if okay, so let's say let's say I'm in a car and I teleport my myself. Can I take the car with me? No. Okay. Just you. It's just me. Maybe your clothes. Maybe my clothes. That's a plus. <laughs> um, with that said, then I think I would rather be able to. And again, I like to control what's going on. I would rather be able to fly and just fly as far as I can run. And at least scale maybe a three-story building. You sure. Know, nothing impressive, but more impressive than teleporting in the wrong location. See, I don't know which one I would choose. Because uh, with the uh, as fast as you can run, or as long as what you can walk. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if you can walk for five hours straight, then yeah, you can fly. But only as fast as what you could walk so for that amount of time. three and a half miles per hour. Right. Yeah. Part of me would choose that. Uh-huh. Because if I... I like the mountains, I like yeah. going places, so it'd be like going for a hike without really having to, you know, worry about getting bit by snakes. It's true. But the chaos side of me of, eh, let's see where I end up this time. Yeah. I, I would kind of want the uh, the teleportation. Yes. Just don't teleport into your Sarlacc. Exactly. Yes. Well, but with teleportation, if I don't like where I am, I can instantly teleport right back out. Okay. Whereas flying, like if I fly for five hours, it's like, oh, crap, I have to get back to work. I guess I'll be there in five hours. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I'd get a little stranded. Yeah, or just take an Uber. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Fantastic. Um, All right, so I I think that that is probably a fairly comprehensive rambling of uh, conjuration and and all things magical. Um, I I loved it. It was a fantastic time. Our wives went with us. They maybe don't love it quite as much as we do because we're a little bit mm-hmm. geekier, but they definitely still had a really fun time. Um, they they, they got... Yoga. They did nerd yoga. Yeah. Uh, they got to hear the um, this off-Broadway musical... Um, the person who wrote an off-Broadway musical called Tink um, just sold one of her scarves. So yeah. it's, it was a lot of fun, just all around a good time. It really was. And even if you're not... a like really really nerdy i mean there's so much to do and it's such a cool experience even going just for a day yeah you know to really take it in i feel like you get that wonderful that whimsy to see the 
the uh, vendors and just to see all the different handmade things and how unique and how special they are. I mean, you have one guy selling armor in one corner and then you have somebody else, you know, making scarves, somebody making personalized coasters, people taking old scrap metal and, and making jewelry out of it. I mean, just the vendor t- table alone is, is worth seeing. And, and it's very family friendly. I mean, they, when Chris and Angela talk about, uh, talk about conjuration, they talk about it like it is getting together with a thousand of your closest friends and family. Like that is how they treat the con. And it's, it's obvious in everything they do. Absolutely love it. Uh, even though it's very family friendly, it's not juvenile and childlike. So it's not just for kids. It's, it's for all ages. I absolutely love it. Can't wait till next year. I agree. So that's been our coverage of Conjuration. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. Um, Hopefully you can check it out and go next year. Um, By you, of course, I mean random listeners, of which I probably have two. Uh, Not you, Adam. I mean, I hope that you go back as well, but (laughs) I don't don't feel like I have to convince you. Yes, no, I'm I'm there. I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, anyone out there who is interested, check it out um, at ConjurationCon.com or their Facebook page facebook.com uh, slash conjuration um, and if you enjoyed listening to us ramble on about things then check back uh, I do a lot of movie reviews Adam joins me on occasion to do other various video projects etc 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 um, but but yeah um, if this is the first time that you're listening to this then check out my blog at gargoylereviews.blogspot.com uh, you can find links to my twitter at Gargoyle Reviews, my Facebook page, slash The Gargoyle. Um, subscribe to my podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Um, and just let, let me know what you think. Uh, Adam and I are huge geeks and pretty willing to, to investigate any area of geekdom. So if you want to hear us talk about it, let me know and uh, we'll ramble on for a bit. With pleasure. <laughs> So until next time, that's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. Uh, I'm Nathan, and as always, you can find me where geekery abounds.